there are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. It's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. Perception is being managed. We are being steered and guided by a hidden hand. The whole world has been duped by the media that is not real. <laughs> smart thinking, possible time traveler, smart thinking. That night, boom, contact memory. And then just, Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the ladies. Experts are suggesting that we're in a golden age of shape-shifting reptilian sightings. Now, why is that? I was, and still am, a huge conspiracy guy. I literally ran out of new tin hat topics to research. It was most definitely not capable of melting steel. Then I would be a crackpot if I thought that was that was the, the case. Thought that was that was the, the case. Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies. My name is Luke. I'm Salty. I'm Cam. Gents, how are we? Good. I am spiffing. <laughs> Today we are going to be uh, looking to the skies. We're going to be talking about the Foo Fighters. Yep. And we're going to be talking about the Project Blue book. Don't love the Foo Fighters. Do like some of Dave Grohl's side projects. Right. Let's start with Foo Fighters. Nirvana. Nirvana is a good band. <laughs> yeah, good side project. <laughs> I'm glad he, he took the time away in the 90s to start Nirvana. Yeah. Right. All right. Funny little joke, but we're not actually talking about the band, the Foo Fighters. We're talking about the uh, aerological phenomenon uh, from World War II. Aeronautical? Aeronautical, maybe. Mm. Phenomenon from World War II of mm. Foo Fighters. However, having said that, I have... Some Foo Fighters, the band conspiracies. Okay. <laughs> so, as you know, uh, the Foo Fighters formed in 1994. Yep. Uh, by Dave Grohl after the death of, death of Kurt Cobain. The death of Kurt Cobain. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too much Cobain. I need to get out of this. <laughs> uh, did you know that the Foo Fighters was originally supposed to be completely anonymous? Right. No. And uh, he chose the name Foo Fighters because it, uh, it sounded like there were more people involved. Yeah. He says, if I'd ever thought this was going to go anywhere, I would have chosen a name that didn't fucking suck so much. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should have chosen a band that didn't suck so much as well. <laughs> I'm sorry, Foo Fighters fan. They're, they're, they're a good band. The Foo Fighters have been involved in some conspiracies, though, because they did subscribe for a while to the HIV denialism. Right. They did not believe in AIDS. Uh, in 2000, they put on a benefit concert for Alive and Well, which is a uh, HIV denialist uh, charity, which was run by a woman called Christian, uh, sorry, Christine Maggiore. Right. And her husband. Uh, they also had a kid, Eliza Jane. Uh, Eliza Jane died in 2005 of untreated AIDS. Right. Uh, Christine died in 2008. Are they but sure their daughter didn't get bricked by fucking Nick Cave down by the river? <laughs> Uh, Christine died in 2008 of HIV-related illnesses. They right. also provided a number of songs for the uh, AIDS denial documentary, The Other Side of AIDS. Right. I've never come across this. Uh, so, Christine uh, was AIDS-pilled by a guy called Peter Duesberg. Right. He's a doctor. And his theory about uh, AIDS is that it's actually a lot of different things. Um, things caused by HIV medication. Right. So, if someone's taking it's a, just a side effect of one of the medications they're giving out for it right. uh the gay lifestyle like taking poppers amyl etc mm -hmm. can cause it uh also but in the doco the other side of aids they go a little bit further they say also negative thinking can, right. can, can cause aids uh peter it's like the lyme disease thing right where they're like lyme disease is actually a whole bunch of other things that yeah. just gets lumped together as one thing yeah uh, Peter Duesberg, it all sounds pretty funny, except for obviously everyone involved so far is dead. I'm yeah. not sure it does sound funny, but uh, you do you. Peter Duesberg, besides red-pilling uh, Christine, who then red-pilled Foo Fighters, uh, he also AIDS-pilled uh, the South African government, 
his writing and advice helped form their public health response to the AIDS crisis in South Africa, uh, which was a denying response Mm -hmm. uh, for quite a while. And two studies uh, determined that his advice was probably responsible for at least 330,000 excess AIDS deaths. Jeebus. It's a bit rough. Uh, I also looked up where the husband was. Uh, he's now flipping property in Detroit. There's a little story in like a Detroit business mag from a few years ago about him like hustling properties, like right. buying them cheap with vanilla ice. No, but in the article they do men- like it seems like one of those property articles. You know, you read the property articles in the Australian media where they're like, "Oh, this couple bought their first home, and you know they saved up." And uh, went went without coffees and went without avocado toast and stuff. And they bought a house. Yeah. Mm. And then, like halfway down the article, they're like, "Oh, by the way, they inherited a large amount of money." The parents gave them a deposit. The parents gave them. They lived with their rich parents for a year and leveraged their house off their parents' portfolio of properties. This article's like that, except in the middle of it, it's like, "Oh, and one of the ways that he financed this in the beginning was that some other cooked AIDS denialist (laughs) loved his doco." And gave him, like, the capital. Yeah, right. Hmm. Anyway, uh, they seem to have gotten off the AIDS denial bandwagon at some point. There's a quote out there that I can't find the source of, where Nate uh, from the Foo Fighters, who is, the I think, the guitarist, uh, Nate Mendel, he said he was extremely inarticulate and ill-informed when they did that. Right. Benefit concert and... Contributed songs to the thing four years apart. <laughs> I think it was all him. I, I have a vague memory of looking this up once. It was all him pushing it. Yeah, and the others were like, "Yeah, whatever. We'll do, we'll do your little thing." Yeah. There is a little video from the concert where Dave Grohl like says is talking about. It. He's like, "Yeah, people shouldn't be afraid of AIDS." It's like maybe you're just a little bit skew with on it though. Mm. Uh, mm. In 2013, though, he did perform at the Elton John AIDS Foundation. Gala. Oh, but if Buddy Elton calls you up and says, You're right, mate, doing a gala, yeah. you'd be like, Well, of course I'm coming. Of course. You're Elton John. Yeah. Uh, also in 2013, their drummer Taylor Hawkins uh, did a benefit concert for Gener- Generation Rescue, uh, Jenny McCarthy's oh. vaccine autism oh, <laughs> charity. So, so yeah, one, okay, might have been a misstep. Four years apart, all right, mm. now you're dicey territory. Now you're doing anti-vax stuff. Come on, Foo Fighters. Yeah. Uh, and my final bit of Foo Fighters conspiracy gear. Just last year, just a month ago, oh. in an interview with Ugly Phil on Triple M, Dave Grohl said that he went to see a psychic and she said to him, can you see ghosts and things? I said, no, I've never really seen ghosts. She said, do you see things in the sky? I said, well, I've always dreamed of UFOs and things in the sky. She said... Those are not dreams. You've experienced those things in your life. I'm like, oh shit. That is such a poor, cold read. Do you see ghosts? No. no. What about UFOs? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, oh, that you, one. That's yeah, what I meant. You were abducted yeah. by aliens. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Ugly Phil, maybe have some self-respect. Uh, I don't know, learn to improve your self-talk. Mm. And you might not think of yourself as ugly. I don't know. What does Ugly Phil look like, though? I don't know. Hang on. Sure. Plus, didn't that. ugly Dave Gray do the ugly thing already? I feel like he's just fucking... Is he just carrying on a proud tradition? Oh, yeah, maybe. Oh, nah, nah. He's right. He's right to call himself ugly. You didn't even look hideous. at anything. He's hideous. <laughs> you didn't even get to a search result, Robo. <laughs> no, I didn't. He looks like evil Moby. Oh, yeah, he does. Looks like Moby crossed with Devin Townsend. He would be less ugly if he lost that weird little bit of facial hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but then you wouldn't know he's from the evil universe. Yeah, true. Mm, that's fair. Um, All right, I, let's, yeah. let's talk about the World War Two. Okay. Let's, let's get on something away from HIV and ugly people to something a little bit more positive. <laughs> he just Self-processed. Called, self-professed. Yeah, we're not calling him ugly. ugly people, yeah. yeah, I think he looks fine. If smooth. Looks overly smooth. He is pretty he's smooth. He's a smooth looking dude. Yeah. He'd just slide right off you. <laughs> <laughs> or up Maybe yeah. that's why he keeps that little <laughs> Cody. So a bit of friction. Yeah, a little bit of friction. Yeah. That's the perfect spot. All right. <laughs> so, the year was 1994 when uh, the Foo Fighters formed. But uh, 50 years previous, 
1944 over France, uh, the 415th Night Fighter Squadron were out on patrol. I think they were blowing up some trains. Mm. Mm-hmm. I say, you know, the Nazi trains. Oh, yeah. Hashtag just World War Two things. Yeah. yeah. So you've got a few people in the plane. Uh, Donald J. Myers, ra- radarman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Lieutenant Ed Schletter. And you've got Fred Ringwald, who I think was the, the intelligence man. Mm. He's like, oh, this is, the trains are the ones with the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, were flying on November 27, 1944. And they saw a red ball of fire appear near the Yeah, because they're just dropping bombs. Yeah. Well, no, they, they were looking out the, uh, the window. Mm. And one of them said, what are all those bloody lights over there on the hill? And then one of them said, there's not a hill over there. And then the lights came out of them. No doubt the intelligence man said that. Yeah. yeah. That's, there's not a hill over there. No hill there, fellas. Yep. That's why I'm here. They looked on the radar. Donald J. Myers looks on the radar. There's nothing there. But they're like... Our eyes aren't deceiving us. Mm. Mm. And then, yeah, a big red ball of light sort of starts chasing them. And it's following the plane while they do, you know, fairly high speed maneuvers. Mm. Trying to get away. Yeah. Uh, they're like, well, that's cooked. It was not the... Uh, that's li- a direct quote, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they see the lights come at them. They do some high speed maneuvers and eventually the lights uh, disappear. And then they see them reappear really far away. And then they just sort of glide away and vanish. So they finish their mission. They blow up the trains. They come home. And they're like, well, we could say something. Mm. But I don't, we don't want some quack doctor, army doctor being like, oh, you boys, are, you've got combat fatigue. Yeah. He's a shell shocked. Yeah. Mm. Ground, I'm grounding you. Yeah. They're like, we're, we're always done with our missions. Yeah. I'm a fly boy. You yep. can't ground me. Yep. Might as well kill me. <laughs> yep. I guess they... Can't I, clip my wings, Sarge. Well, they didn't want their wings clipped. Who yeah. does want their wing clipped? Yeah. Especially if you're a flyboy. Yeah. Now, some might say, if you think that you are so tired that you're seeing lights following you around, mm. maybe maybe they'll just like, oh, we'll get a good night of sleep tonight. It'll be right tomorrow. Mm. But maybe you should say something. Uh, a few nights later, Lieutenants Henry Giblin and Lieutenant Wal- Walter Cleary uh, they saw a huge red light a thousand feet above them moving at 200 miles per hour, which is quite fast, even in kilometres, mm. which it should have been because they're in France. What is it in knots, do we know? It doesn't matter because mm. they're in a plane. Uh, mm. They put it down to food poisoning. Yep. They're like, oh, <laughs> must have been something funny at Chow. And they also didn't report it. Okay. Mm. Uh a few nights later, December 22, another of the 415th Night Fighter Squadron pilots saw two lights coming from the ground. They reached an altitude of about 1,000 feet, which was where they were, mm-hmm. and stayed on their tail. Uh, it had a large orange glow. And after two minutes, the lights turned away and disappeared. Then the next night, uh, David McFalls and Ned Baker saw a glowing red object shoot straight up. Then when they were looking at it, they said it looked like a aircraft doing a wing over which I think is when it turns over with the wing I yeah. guess <laughs> <laughs> makes like, sense you started explaining it but you just said it the literal thing yeah <laughs> uh, and then it dived and disappeared and it was about this point that someone was like oh, should we mention this to the bosses mm-hmm. the HQ yep so they did so they reported all these things uh, the name Foo Fighter comes from a comic book did you come well, across yeah. this comic yeah, it was I like had... Foo Flyers or something right it was I came across two different explanations. Do you okay. want to t- say the comic book one? There's a comic book called Smokey Stover by a guy called Bill Holman. It's about a firefighter and he constantly, uh, it, the comic constantly featured the word foo mm. as just a nonsense phrase. I bet that that comic was racist as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it had a lot of puns. Okay. There right. may well have been a few racist puns in <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to have a go at Smokey Stover. Uh, a common catchphrase of Smokey Stover was where there's foo, there's fire. Mm. Some other catchphrases that didn't catch on were the catchphrase Notary Sojak and Scram Gravy Ain't Wavy. Whoa. Were just things that would pop up in the comic every now and then. Yeah, right. Uh, I did find on a... Uh, you know how 
a little uh, modern problem for that we'll all be familiar with when you're looking for a recipe online and you've got to read the whole story of their life before you get to the recipe. Oh yeah, tell me about it. Hey, I, I think relatable. We, we uh. need to cap takes on that. All right. Well, that, that is. We may well cap takes on that, but this will be the last one. Okay, good. Their gravy recipe started off with a story about how when they were a kid, whenever they'd have gravy in the house, someone would say, scram gravy ain't wavy. And they never knew what it meant. Until they uh, they looked it up and they found it was from this comic. Yeah, right. right. There you go. But they still don't know what it means. No. no. Um, really good. That, that's the last recipe blog take. Really good goulash recipe. Every time I look it up, I have to scroll like 400 miles down the page. To get we're not to doing it. those takes anymore. <laughs> it's annoying though It is annoying It is annoying And we yeah. can all relate to it. Yeah we can all relate to it yeah. yeah My sourdough recipe That I use every Every fortnight Yeah oh, Photos of a dog in the mix Right Good photos It's a good looking dog so. I would have thought You would have had that Locked away in your memory By now Nah there's a lot of Different grams and weights Right Times mm. And times I got down Anyway mm. Rosemary's So what was the other Explanation for Well someone else said That it came from French word for fire Okay. Which is F E U, foo. So it's a misspelling of foo. Right. But it's interesting that this comic is fire related. Yeah. Well. But he says where there's foo, there's fire. Yeah. It should just be where there's fire, there's fire. Yes. It's like yeah. Cam explaining a wing over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it is the French explanation because it was Americans in France yeah. that worked it out. And apparently the story is that uh, they were doing, eventually when they come clean about what they saw I guess he got agitated because he's like he didn't want to have his wings clipped Mm -hmm. and he had the comic in his back pocket and this seems like it might have been a a comedy bit he was doing I'm not sure it's really unclear from the anecdote (laughs) but he slams the comic down onto the desk in front of his like his sergeant he's like it's these fucking Foo Fighters right that's that's who was chasing us, these fucking Foo Fighters. And so then their nickname for these strange balls of light that were following all these guys around became fucking Foo Fighters. Right. And then some... Yeah, Dave Grohl go with that with the band name. Yeah, fucking Foo Fighters. way tougher. Fucking Foo Fighters. Then uh, some journo heard about it and like cleaned it up in his story. And then some major was like, when he's doing his report, he's like, I can't call them fucking Foo Fighters in my official army report. Mm. I'll get hauled down. I'll be, sent down, I'll be sent down the brig. Yeah. yeah. So he cleaned it up as well. So that's how we got Foo Fighters. Okay. So, uh, up at HQ, they're like, what the fuck are these flyboys on about? Yeah. yeah. Classic flyboy behaviour. Yeah. Too busy hot dogging. Yeah. Doing Not- inverted bloody flybys of the tower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, come back from HQ. Beach sure. volleyball. <laughs> sure you didn't just see uh, some flares, boys? Yep. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Not flares. No way, mate. Flares as in, like, chaff. As in... Yeah, yeah right. it could be chaff. Yeah, bit of chaff. Uh, they say, could you just have been drunk? Was it a little bit of... <laughs> was it just because you're all drunk? They're like, no, there's too many. Too many songs. There are hundreds of sightings in the end. And also, yeah. drinking doesn't make you hallucinate. There was a, another um, section of the Air Force, the 8th. Air Force bombers had reported seeing large silver spheres, uh, which people think were probably some sort of German radar confusing device. Right. Chaff. 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 All right. Well, like those, those big balloons that they floated over London during the Blitz and stuff. Mm. That sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, they're like, no, those are silver. These are all different colours and they're following us around and shit and doing manoeuvres. Mm. Uh, possibly weather balloons. They're like, we know what a weather balloon is. And then finally, fucking Foo Fighters. <laughs> they're like, all right, guys, you've just seen St. Elmo's Fire, haven't you? Yeah. A classic bit of nautical fire mystery. Yeah. That you sometimes get on a plane. Are you across St. Elmo's Fire? Uh, yeah, St. So, so Elmo's Fire is reflections and clouds uh, when you're in the ocean, I think. Is that it? Sort of. I did a little bit of scientific research. Okay. I feel confident that I can explain what St. Elmo's Fire is. Urgent. So, <laughs> it's a thing where, like, on the tip, of stuff like on the nose of a plane just the tip just yep. the tip just on the tip nose of a plane uh, on the wing of a plane on like a, the mast of a ship you'll see a strange coloured glow mm. and what it is is when the electric field in the air reaches a value of a, over 100,000 volts per metre 
So within a one meter space, it's over a hundred thousand volts in the air. Mm. Usually, when there's a bit of lightning about, mm-hmm. uh, it uh, causes the air molecules to ionize and turn into plasma, which causes an effect like fire. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. I don't know if there's a huge amount of videos of it online. I saw a lot of videos of like just static electricity that people were like, oh, it's an Elmo's fire, and then in the comments, people were like. That's not saying almost fire. Yeah, the intelligence men get in there and yeah, <laughs> you stupid radar men. So, January nineteen forty-five, a crew saw some lights moving by themselves and in pairs, and another crew saw three sets of lights which were red and white and which followed their plane. When they suddenly pulled up, the lights kept going straight, but then followed them. Uh, in early nineteen forty-five, they stopped entirely. Mm. After the Allies captured territory east of the Rhine, okay. which is where the Germans had their experimental stations. Mm. After the Nazis moved their UFOs to Antarctica. Mm. Which I did find some yeah. discussion of while researching this. So, what's the uh, obvious answer, which is that these were Nazi UFOs? Nazi yeah. UFOs. Done. Yeah. Yep. Um, Next topic. A lot of them, so many of them sound like reflections. Mm. Like. Oh, it just was flying next to us for a long time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I think that's just a reflection. But it probably didn't help. The first video I watch, watched, they had animations that just used like a, a lens flare effect. Yeah. To, so like, <laughs> I just had that in my head that it was just a reflection. Yeah. You're looking through the window and there's light over there. Yeah. Yeah. And every time we turn, it moves around. Yeah. The co-pilot's like shining a little torch going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it in your window. Um, that seems to be a lot of it. I guess the stress of war... Uh, Lots of, you know, lights around in the sky, yeah, other may- planes. Maybe the stress of having a fucking Nazi UFO chasing you. Yeah. The stress of having a Wait a minute. So, the Nazi UFO, there was a guy called Renato Vesco, who was an Italian. Uh, according to his bio, he was a fully licensed aircraft engineer, a specialist in aerospace and ramjet developments. He went to the University of Rome and before World War II studied at the German Institute for Aerial Development. Mm. During the war, he worked with the Germans at the Fiat Lake Garda secret installation in Italy. And in the 1960s, he worked for the Italian Air Ministry of Defence as an undercover technical agent investigating UFOs. Sounds like a guy that knows his stuff. What did he have to say? So he says that they were a secret German weapon called uh, Fuhrballs. Whoa. Or fireballs, but in German. Mm. Uh, they they were couldn't like, call it Fuhrerballs because yeah. they can't pluralize that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, good, that's good. <laughs> he said they were a, a big sort of circular uh, device. Yep. They were armored. They sort of resembled the shell of a tortoise and they were enormous. Uh, they looked a bit like a shining disc spinning on an axis during the day. By night, they looked like a burning globe. They had a special turbojet engine, which was also flat and circular, which uh, generated a halo of flames around the perimeter, which is why they saw these strange sort of flame effects. Right. Uh, they had no pilot. Right. And they had no weapons. Drones. Well, they were radio controlled when they took off. Yeah. But then they would automatically follow enemy aircraft by being attracted to their exhaust flames. Mm. Those sexy flames. Yeah. So the idea was that they would get close enough to enemy aircraft to wreck their radio gear, uh, and they could uh, they could be used simultaneously with a bunch of other ones of them. And they also had a bomb on board in case they had to destroy them mid-flight. Right. Uh, didn't you say they had no weapons? They had no weapons besides the bomb. Right. Their so, self-destruct bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what was their purpose? Their purpose was to throw off. The allied pilots mm. to make the, to make them freak out. Yeah, fucks uh, up their radio gear so they can't. Well, they they also had a uh, so they had something in their fuel that would interrupt the flow of electricity by over ionizing the atmosphere in the vicinity of the plane. Right. Generally around the wingtips or the tail surfaces, and would cause the radar on the plane to go skew with. Right. That and, just sounds like. It's St. Elmo's fire, but they're mm. taking responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> like when Manowar claimed they put the power out in the US. Yeah. Yep. Exactly <laughs> like the that. power <laughs> of their metal. Well, um, I also... Yeah, sorry, go. Uh, this is... It's clearly bullshit. Mm. Like, it just doesn't even make any sense. Mm. 
Well, yeah, that would be my, my point is if you're going to build something with that capability, you'd just build it to smash in and into the planes and take them down. Yeah. Not just to follow them and give them a bit of a fright. Yeah. A story to tell the other boys back in the barracks. Yeah. Just kill them. This is war. Yeah. Um, I also note that Wikipedia says, although uh, people cite the single source nature of his claims, uh, the complete lack of evidence supporting them and the implausible capabilities of the supposed device as nonsense. Yeah. He also was like born in 1925 or something. So he w- wouldn't have been old enough in World War Two to be working on any of these things. 20. I think he maybe was born in like the not late 1920s then. Mm. But he would have been way too young. Certainly, a lot of boys since signed up to go yeah. fight the war when they were But not, to go, not to go be uh, an aerospace secret guy. German aerospace scientist. Yeah, true. Maybe uh, a Doogie Hauser kind of situation. But yeah, it's all clearly bullshit. But it is... Doogie uh, Schnauzer. It's one of those... <laughs> he was Italian. <laughs> one of those things that is... Uh, Sort of uh, got some currency with like uh, people who are into Nazi UFOs, especially right. people who wanted uh, the Nazis to have had secret mm. powers. Yeah. Which is everyone, right? Mm. No. No, everyone that doesn't want the Nazis to win. Now that they've lost, I guess. Yeah, but now, don't you wish that that was a real thing? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Victor Schauberger, did you come across this guy? I think so. Austrian scientists that um, worked on alternative flight capabilities f- and built some prototype uh, spinning yeah, discs. Um, I, I was watching one UFO show. I think it was called Project DNA or something. And the guy was telling, like, he, he was saying he saw one of these prototypes. Yeah. And he said, oh, that. you know, I went in and I saw it. It was th- only three and a half feet wide, so you couldn't get in. <laughs> and he's prototype. like, and he kind of stopped <laughs> to, like, like he's pausing to gloat a little bit he's like yeah (laughs) and the other guy was just like yeah carry on like whatever and he just kind of told the story that yeah he was working (laughs) on uh, alternative propulsion but I did notice this anecdote um, in 1939 when uh, Hitler summoned this guy to Berlin for a meeting he at first greeted him warmly and said he called the meeting to discuss Schauberger's work However, the meeting lasted for approximately 11 hours before Schauberger could leave. Jeez. Just Hitler chewing his ear off. Yeah. 11 hours with Hitler. Oh, God. Anyway. It it also implies that that, like, was inherently bad enough. Like, they started warmly, but he didn't leave until after 11 hours. Not saying, like, if you met someone and you hung out with them for 11 hours... Maybe it implies you got on really well. Yeah, not as not if you say it started warmly though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you say it started warmly, but <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a uh, late night Bunnings glass table D and M sesh. Another relatable reference for our listeners. <laughs> I don't even know this hey? one. Like yeah. a glass table you bought from Bunnings. Yeah. Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah, your outdoor furniture setting. Yeah. Having a late night. Oh uh, yeah. Wait, yep. I chat around the old table, eh? Yeah. Hey, we could all relate to that. Kind of remember this bit. Not a bit. It's I don't relatable know why it has to be from Bunnings. <laughs> mm. There's a specific fucking hell. Jeffrey A. Lindell uh, wrote an article called "A Historical in a Physiological Perspective of the Foo Fighters of World War Two. Folks, I think he might have cracked it. He might yeah. have cracked the old case. Yeah. He puts it down to aviators' vertigo. Right. So there's a phenomenon called autokinetic illusion was discovered in 1799 by Alexander von Humboldt. Uh, he was an astronomer, and he noticed that if you stared at a bright star or a planet with the naked eye, it would uh, begin to swing in a back-and-forth motion. Right. And he called it swinging stars, or Sternschwanken. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, he, because it's 1799 and they're a bit fucking thick, mm. he was like, I guess stars just swing. Yeah. Yeah. Eh? Uh, Until 1857? Jeez Louise. They're like, oh yeah, you know how stars are always swinging around? Yeah. Uh, In 1857 though, uh, Dr. G. Schweitzer was like, just looking at some normal lights. He's like, oh, why are those lights swinging? Oh, it's just a trick of the light. Mm. So that went 60 or so years though. Then he went around uh, trying to find other examples of like light swinging and he... I guess he got people to write in on the back of a postcard. 
And he found, you know, like the uh, legend of like the Headless Horseman. Yeah. Like going through the countryside with their lantern swinging. Mm. Uh, he puts, he's like, that's just people seeing a light in the distance and this phenomenon happening to it. Right. Why doesn't, why isn't that a thing still then? Well, it shouldn't have been a thing at the time. Cause yeah. As like, I've, I've never, never heard of anyone saying, oh, those lights in the distance swinging. That's because of the old swinging light phenomenon. Yeah. Why did this stop? Remember when we used to think that was the headless horseman? Yeah. No, but you, it's still a thing that you can see. You can still watch, see this happen. If you look at a light for long enough, you'll see it, it'll appear like it's moving. Okay. It's still a thing. They didn't change eyes. Well, I've never heard of it. Yeah, and I, I stare at lights fucking all the time. Yeah. That big one, first thing in the morning, yep. on the horizon. Yeah, me and Pete. <laughs> anyway, as uh, Jeffrey Lindell uh, sort of snarkily notes, even the Headless Horseman thing shouldn't have made sense at the time. Because, like, why would he have a lantern if he's got no head? Yeah. He's out there looking for his head. What's he using a lantern for? To scare people. No, he's, he's swinging it around like he's looking for where his head is. Can't see. He can't see. He doesn't have any eyes. Yeah, but if he's looking for where his head is, his head's in some dirt somewhere, his head's going to see the light. Hey, hey, I'm over here. Hey, body. And the body's like, can't hear. Don't have any ears. Robbo's peeled me. Anyway, uh, they also think that's uh, what like a willow wisps are. Oh, yeah. But uh, basically, that's what he thinks this is. There's also a bunch of phenomenons you can experience when you're flying at nighttime. Hallucinations you can have due to vertigo. Mm. Uh, He did some research and found that... uh, Pilots who were really familiar with uh, the symptoms of vertigo could tell when they were having these hallucinations. Right. But people who didn't hadn't been trained in this at all yeah. were like, "What the fuck's going on?" Rookie flyboys. Yeah. Mm. These, well, the thing is, there's no, there was basically no training mm. in this, or it was all just stuff that sort of gets passed down in the locker room mm. after volleyball. Yeah. There Plus, was no bloody wars hell. There probably was no old timer flyboys. Yeah. No, they called the the British guys the twenty minuteers. Oh. And it's how long they lasted on their first flights. Right. And that wasn't because they were just taking a short flight. No. They were shot down. Oops. Uh, did you come across any ball lightning gear? Um, so that, that's the other explanation for seeing a big ball of light in the sky. <laughs> it's yeah. just ball yeah. lightning. But no one knows what ball lightning is. Yeah. No one's ever really been to work, work it out if it even exists. And uh, basically, uh, there's some retellings that... There's one kind of semi-famous one of a couple were in this, like... Uh, what do you call that? A, a band ro- rotunda. Rotunda, yeah. And this ball of light kind of rolled over their feet and just kind of was making a hissing sound, like a struck match. Mm. <laughs> What were they doing in the rotunda? Probably making out. Yeah. Nicking, probably. Yeah. Maybe smoking a doob. Um, and then... Isn't that the prime use of rotundas? Uh, smoking weed? Yeah. No, a band. A, a brass yeah. band. I yeah, mean, yeah. A good I would, old swing band. I would yeah. say if we were on... For all the community to enjoy, Cam. If we were on Jeopardy, and the question was use of rotundas... I think well, they wouldn't phrase it like that. The, what are what the rotundas get used for? They, again, they wouldn't phrase no. it. Number one, Jeopardy. the most answered thing. Oh, not Jeopardy. What's the one with oh the... Oh, my Lord. What's the one where they poll the audience then? Family Feud. If they're on Family Feud, yeah. they would say, what's the most used thing for a rotunda? Jesus Christ. Answer number one, what is a band? That's not how <laughs> Family Feud works. Answer number and that th- wouldn't be a category in Family Feud. Answer number one would be bands... No, giving us all pleasure. God damn answer it. number two would be makeouts, and answer number three would be bonging on. Cam, you can't not allowed to talk about the, uh, those games anymore. Game shows. And if we, if Bands. it was on the American Family Feud, someone would be like hand jobs, <laughs> and that black routines? guy would be like, you can't say that. <laughs> but that is Steve Harvey, or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, that is the second most answered thing. Right. <laughs> um, guess who? That's what's happening in rotundas. Guess I'm not going to fucking clean up what's happening in Rotundas for our audience. They're big enough and ugly enough to know. All right. All right. Hey, listeners, at us if you've seen more bands in Rotundas than when, bonged on in a Rotunda. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, Salty, what would you say? Smoke joints? Bands. Band, or just go have a sit. Yep. Yeah, I said the first bit response of, would be bands. Bit of shade in the park. 
Yeah. Then the second response would be hand jobs. Then the third would be just making out. And the fourth would be bonging. Yeah. So I said making out. You're like, no. Oh, fucking stoned. No, stoners. I agreed with you. Jeez. Oh, Could you uh, revise history a little bit more, Magatine? With your little hat? You're a little MAGA hat Did you just team. say MAGA? MAGA. You're like one of those little MAGA hat teens trying to gaslight us in the media. <laughs> he totally said MAGA. MAGA teen. I said MAGA. You're a little MAGA teen. Anyway, fuck off. Um, be, I will not be lectured on how to speak properly by this man. Ooh. Oh, crikey. I won't be lectured on speaking properly. I'm an Australian. Oh, can we move on from this? Yeah, I'm cutting a lot of this. Don't cut um, any of it. British... Okay, cool. British occultist <laughs> Alistair Crowley reported what he witnessed as globular electricity mm-hmm. during a thunderstorm in 1916. Uh, he noticed with what he can only describe as calm amazement. Talk yourself up, Alistair Crowley. Yeah, yeah I was amazed, but I was calm. I was calm, boy. Calm. Uh, dazzling globe of electric fire apparently between 6 and 12 inches. That's 15 to 30 centimetres in diameter. Uh, was it, uh, is this just a Crowley weather report or was he doing a spell at the time it, what does it say uh, it was pre like his LSD crazy days um, but it like went up to his knee and then hit him in the hand he felt a slight shock in the middle of my right hand calm shock yeah so ball lightning seems to be the explanation that's pretty widely accepted right yes well and as, as a phenomenon Phenomena, whatever. It's pretty widely accepted that it's a thing, but it's like no one can. No one knows. No one knows how it works. And also, many of the reports of it are quite at odds with each other. Yeah, we can't replicate it. Mm. Like some people have tried. um, Some scientists think it might be some sort of like particles lighting on fire, like Saint Elmo's fire. There's quite a few... Turning ex- into plasma, like dust balls and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few explanations, but no one's really cracked it. I don't mm. think anyone's really recreated it. See, if it was a ball of ionised dust that kind of gathered in a little wind vortex and happened to ignite and be a little ball that floated around, mm-hmm. that would make sense if you were in a plane and you flew past one and it started following you because it would get sucked into your, like, your tailwind. Yeah, that's fair. And then it's, the, it's behind us, do some manoeuvres. Left, right, left, right. Wing over. Wing over. Barrel roll. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's going to follow you because you've created this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Loop-de-loop. Yeah. Bloody. That one where they go up and then they stall. Oh, uh, yeah. And then tumble and then start again. Yeah. The uppy stall tumble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. So, yeah, it's, it's either ball lightning, it's vertigo, or it's just looking at a star. <laughs> Bloody swinging stars. Uh, and also, there was a I, bit yeah. of this in like the Pacific Theatre as well. Mm-hmm. It was reported. So it was probably wasn't Nazis. Mm. Mm. I'd be curious to know if they were all similar types of planes mm. at the time. Yeah. Like whether or not there's a, a particular, and I'm coming back to reflection, but like a particular <laughs> shape on the, you know. The dome. The dome, yep. yeah. yeah. That, that kicks the light in a different direction. Well, boys, I think that's Foo Fighters. Yeah. We, we only just cracked it. So we take a little break and come back with a bit of Project Blue Book. Yes. Let's do it. We have a lot of fun talking about UFOs on the show. Now, imagine if we could have even more fun by talking about the extreme US government bureaucracy that surrounded UFOs. Yeah. Sounds good. I love bureaucracy. It's like the fun, all the fun of UFOs, but with paperwork. Yeah. Wait, he didn't say bureaucracy, Robo. Uh. <laughs> so, in 1947, uh, there are a whole bunch of... There have been a whole bunch of UFO reports, mm-hmm. and the US Air Force uh, began a study into what the hell was going on yeah. called Project Sign. Uh, it was run out of uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and it 
did not come to any conclusions. Yeah. Except that all of the UFOs were not Soviet and they weren't <laughs> Nazi UFOs. Mm. They were not of this earth. So they were definitely aliens. Mm. Yep. But otherwise, no conclusions. Yeah. Now, it's a bit of a tricky one because that is the conclusion that they sort of wanted them to come to. Yep. Because they didn't want people freaking out. Mm. about commie UFOs or like Nazi UFOs coming back. Yeah. However, once they reached that conclusion, they did realise that it's also not ideal <laughs> to conclude <laughs> that it's aliens. Yeah. Yep. So they scrapped Project Sign and they replaced it with Project Grudge, mm. which was a... Sign, S-I-G-N? Yes. Uh, Project Grudge was a debunking project. Mm. And so they looked into UFO reports and they debunked Every UFO that they came across, mm. except for like 20% of them, which right. they could not explain. <laughs> but uh, they did explain 80% of them or so as being just lights or it was yeah. a car going over a hill. Mm. Reflections and cockpits. Yeah, or it was Venus, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Venus does a lot of heavy lifting in the UFO world, doesn't it? It does. Well, it's very bright. Yeah. I think, I feel like it, the, this is probably from the movie MIB. Is it does it get reflected in swamp gas a lot? Uh, I think is that a combination of UFO explanations because well, swamp gas is that's what that that comes later the swamp gas thing. There is a bit of swamp gas later on in the mm. story. That guy, the, the main guy whose name I forgot before. So, um, can I just throw it out there? Uh, MIB both one and two, mm. very enjoyable movies. Haven't yeah. seen they've made a third one, right? They did make a third yeah. one. I haven't seen that. There's a new one too. Oh, it's got um, Chris Hemsworth. Oh yeah. And that chick from Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Who played Valkyrie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good combo. Good combo on Thor Ragnarok. I'm sure yeah. they'll be great in uh, the new MIB. Yeah. MIB International or something, I think it's called. That's what it's called. MIB 2 was very much similar to the first MIB. Yeah, and the first one was good. I really liked the first one. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, we're not talking about that government UFO project, which was fun. We're talking yeah. about this one where they were like, Oh, are you sure you didn't just see Venus? Yeah. <laughs> and then they don't even do a vump. <laughs> that we know of. So, they they don't know what they want because then they they get rid of Project Grudge. They're like, this isn't what we wanted to hear either. Yeah. I don't know what we want to hear. Start a new one. They start Project Blue Book with a guy called Edward J. Repelt, who's a captain in the Air Force. Uh, that's not the guy I'm thinking of, though. Uh, and they also, there's another guy involved whose name is... Jay something. Like Heineck? Yeah. Is that who you're thinking of? Yeah. Uh, Dr. J. Allen Heineck. J. Allen Heineck, yeah. So he was a guy I watched some stuff about. Yeah, he was like, he was like one of the main scientist guys. Yeah. Involved in this. So Repelt, I guess he, uh, looked at the two previous projects and he's like, all right, we're going to do... <laughs> We're going to go right down the middle. Uh, anyone who was involved in the project who was too on the side of aliens got booted. Yeah. And anyone who got involved in the project who was like too much, oh, it's just Venus, they got booted as well. You had to be very <laughs> much... He didn't want any scolders or mullies. Yeah. He mm. didn't want any molders or scullies. He wanted a mully <laughs> or a scolder. Half a beer down. <laughs> um, do you want to know why it was called Project Blue Book? Yeah, I, well, I do. I think the listeners do. I know why. It's a fucking nerdy reason. All right. Play the role of the listener. Yes, yeah. I would like to know. Oh, yeah, sure. Luke, tell me. Um, because they wanted to take it seriously. And at the time, colleges and universities, when they were doing exams, the exam papers or the little booklets they got were blue. Right. And so Repelt was like, let's make, let's call it Blue Book. Everyone will think it's serious. Yeah. As serious as a college exam. Yeah. 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 This is your future hinges on this. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you don't take this seriously... You'll be sucking dick in a gutter. Oh. <laughs> Holy moly. Anyway, uh, yeah, Blue Book starts in like 1952 mm. after the other two from went from like 1947. 1952 is also the year that the Washington, D.C. was buzzed by UFOs. Oh. Which freaked out President Truman. Isn't that when... Alistair Crowley died? It is. So we've talked about this. This is the Washington, D.C. UFO incident mm. where there were radar pings and visual sightings of UFOs all over Washington, D.C. And they're like, 
what's going on. They asked Repelt. He's like, oh, it's probably like a atmospheric pressure thing. He hadn't looked into it. This yeah. is, that was just his guess. He's like, it'll be atmospheric pressure. Yeah. Based on those other two things we did, probably just that. Yeah. It, it always is. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Truman was like freaking out. He's like, if there's even a 1% chance that there's some sort of national security risk, we've got to get to the bottom of this. So the CIA gets involved. They set up a study group, a UFO study group, to find out what the go was with UFOs. Mm. Jeez, this is nerdy. Yeah. It is. <laughs> uh, and they looked into it. They looked into all of the Project Blue Book uh, material. They spent 12 hours going through all of their uh, all of the studies they'd done. 12 so, hours doesn't sound like a long time. No. You, you can tell it's early on in this this field. <laughs> <laughs> they spent 12 hours. I think it was a year, like a few years of research, but they just... An hour a week. Yeah. They just did a, They spent 12 hours straight, I think. Yeah. Going over it. And they're like, ah. Little, yes. little study group in the library. They're like, it's fine. There's no UFOs. There's no aliens. Uh, there's nothing here. But they're like, it is a problem that people think there's UFOs. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so we need to do something about that. So number one, we have to make sure nobody knows that we looked into this. So we're going to do a, a proper CIA cover-up, which is doesn't help later on when people find out that the CIA did a cover-up of when they looked into UFOs. Yeah, because they should have said, hey, we've really looked into this, and nah, you can yeah. trust us. We're the CIA, and we're famously not doing cover-ups at this point. Yeah. Further down the track, you're going to not believe us, but now you don't have any reason not to believe us. Yeah. So they did an actual cover-up. Yeah. This uh, is why you get into trouble, CIA. They also were like, we need to convince people that UFOs are fine, or that there aren't any. So let's do a massive propaganda campaign. Good. Uh, using our friends in the media, <laughs> yeah, within the fields of science. Let's get Walt Disney involved. <laughs> let's just make sure everyone knows that UFOs are nothing to worry about. Because their worry was that even though maybe there wasn't a real national security threat from you know getting zapped by a flying saucer, uh, the Soviets could flood... Uh, well, firstly, they could convince everyone that there's heaps of UFOs cause a hysteria, mm. which would cause a big problem if there was panic in the streets, there was yep. rioting, etc. No one wants that. Classic bloody Russians. Mm -hmm. Or they could have there be so many reports of UFOs coming in that they sneak a fucking nuke in. Ah. <laughs> they're getting all the reports and they're like, oh, a big bloody cigar-shaped UFO. Throw that on the crazy pile. Yeah. Boom! We're fucked. It's the boy who cried wolf strategy. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, so we've got to put a stop to it. So they, they went out there and tried to put the word out that UFOs were fine or that they didn't exist or they weren't quite sure what they wanted mm, to do. Right. Uh, Walt Disney did get contacted by the government to do something with UFOs. Uh, we've talked about this, I think, in, in the Disney mm. show that we did. They did like three uh, movies about space. Mm. And there was a, there's a f missing fourth one, which was supposed to be about... UFOs oh. and people from the government contacted Walt Disney and said we've got footage that you can use in this UFO documentary of UFOs right we've got they, they're like oh how much footage have you got because they, they needed something good for this doco they, can, they can't just have talking heads hmm. <laughs> Mickey Mouse talking about UFOs it can't just be the Hulu Fire Festival doco with none of the great bloody fuck Jerry B-roll. Yeah, but Hulu was the independent one. Anyway. Have you seen the Hulu one? No. Neither. Uh, we need like some real A-grade footage. And the these government guys are like, yeah, we've got miles of footage of UFOs. You wouldn't believe the shit we've got. And then they disappear. They, they're like, oh, no, we can't give you anything. And so that's why the doco got shuttered, shattered. Right. Shuttered. Right. So they did try. But then it sounds like they were someone at the CIA was going to Walt Disney being like, let's make everyone think that UFOs are real. Well, that goes into the whole predictive programming shit, right? Yeah. I've never... Yeah. So getting people ready. Yeah. Making them used to the idea of UFOs. So when it happens. Which, if that has been the plan around UFOs, certainly hasn't... The way that movies have gone involving UFOs certainly hasn't... Won't, won't stop people from freaking out. Yeah. We don't know, though, because there hasn't been a UFO. Yeah, but like all the movies... Not most bad. movies... Paint when, when they show being, up, it's yeah, really bad. Yeah. But Except then like, when they show up and it's fine, yeah. wouldn't we be like, oh, this is nice? Yeah, but then what's the point of the predictive programming? Except for those 80s ones where like, so I married a Martian. What's that one? Yeah. Alf. 
Alf. Oh yeah, he was good. My yeah. favourite Martian. Uh, yeah. Arrival, a recent one where they sort of show off that it's not really that bad. Yeah, no. Spoiler alert for Arrival, but there yeah, you go. I haven't seen that. So it's good. Won't bother now. Yeah, you should say, no, you should still see it. It's very good. Okay. <clears throat> Contact. Yep. Body I haven't Foster. seen that. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, they also, they were looking at, like, the Soviet newspapers and there was no UFO stories. Right. So, like, what are the, the Soviets have got this locked down. Uh, what are they up to? <laughs> Wait, so did they think the Soviets were on top of the UFO, the UFO problem or they were causing the UFOs? I think they were maybe thinking that it was a bit of both. Mm. They're like, if there are UFOs, the Soviets are like not having it in the Pravda, mm. but otherwise they're up to no good. Mm. Yeah, I feel like if the Soviets did have UFOs, they wouldn't tell anyone. So that happens. Uh, they, the other thing they recommend is that uh, they monitor private UFO groups. That they say we should spy on people who think that there are UFOs. In case they're secretly up to no good. So wait, so if you think there's a UFO, they're going to spy on you? Basically, you know how people who think that they've seen UFOs think that the government is watching them? Mm. That the government really was watching them. <laughs> well, I guess that was that the era that Men in Black, the terminology, came into parlance? I think so. Because... I have we, we've, we haven't done a Men in Black show, have we? Um, no, nah, not specifically on them. We have talked about it, though. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That'd be good. We could also branch out into the other work of Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, yeah. Not so much Will Smith. He's had some questionable yeah. career decisions. Ooh, have you seen the pictures of him as the genie? No. Ooh. Aladdin. Ooh. Not good. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, things get complicated a couple of years later, mm. in 1954. When uh, the CIA starts testing out the U-2 planes, their spy planes, yeah, and UFO sightings skyrocket. Okay. Because <laughs> people are seeing the U-2. Right. And How many U-2 planes are they testing? Do we know? I don't know if, if they had a huge amount of them, but they're, mm. they're doing a bunch of tests and people see them mm. and they call, they call in that they've seen a, a UFO and then over at UFO headquarters, they've got to whip out the blue book and be like, uh... We, oh, geez, Louise, just looked at Will Smith as the genie. Yeah, there's something weird about that. Is that racial? <laughs> he's, he's gone with a bit of an ugly feel. Uh, like, is he, is he trying to look Persian? I don't know. I think he's going for a Persian look, and he's not Persian. I don't know. Why didn't they blew him up? I'm looking forward to the theme song about Aladdin. Aladdin, Badden. <laughs> like him playing Madden. <laughs> So anyway, uh, um, they get all these reports of UFOs and now they're proper scientific uh, testing blue book shit where they're keeping it straight down the line. They have to start filling the books up with bullshit because they know what people are seeing. Right. They know yeah. about you 2 So they have to start covering it up. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, that'd be ice crystals. That'd be a bit of swamp gas. That'd be this. That'd be that. And actually, these people have seen a craft flying through the air, and they know what they saw. And I've got to feel like that contributed significantly to UFO paranoia. The fact that people knew what they saw and the government tried to gaslight them. Hmm. It all comes back to the government being pretty shitty. Mm. And, and I, they've created this problem for themselves where they've created the UFO book groups, the projects. Then they've covered that up. And then the CIA's created planes, and then they've had to cover that up through things. Mm. Like, it's a circle of, it's a farcical circle of bureaucracy. So, yeah, from the 50s through the 60s, about, they reckon about half of UFO sightings were their planes. Right. Um, do you want to know what happened to Edward Rappelt? I do. So, he basically said uh, that UFOs were a space age myth in 1960, and then. Uh, September 15th, 1967 Died of a heart attack mm. Age 37 Jeez oh. Louise Wait, age 37? Yep In what year? 1960 Wait, then how old was he in? 1954 when it all started Oh, okay, yeah Sure, I thought that far 34? Yeah The, um That other guy What was the other guy's name? Uh, Jay Heinen 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 mm. 
watched a couple of things about him. He was an interesting cat. Mm. So he was very much in the... I like his stance on it. He was in the the um, team of, look, there's you guys who completely... Well, he was hired to debunk UFOs originally, mm. but he was very much in the camp of, hey, you guys that absolutely don't believe in UFOs and you guys that absolutely do believe in UFOs, you both have to take an objective look at this stuff and look at the science and look at the evidence and we really like... We need to work together work together mm-hmm. and figure this out. Look, you guys believe, you guys don't, but you both need to sort of take the whole thing into view and have a look at it all. Let's let's not say yes or no. Let's kind of just look at the evidence. Let's be, you know, proper researchers about it and do this the right way. So he went somewhere to do some study and it was when he was at that that the government who were like overlooking the whole project were like, did a press conference and said, right, we need an explanation. 20 minutes. You've got to explain what this UFO was. And he was like, Jesus. Uh, all right. And that's when he went in front of the media and said, oh yeah, it was a uh, swamp gas <laughs> igniting. <laughs> and that basically ruined his career. Because he just bullshitted it. Because he just bullshitted it. But he was, his, his arm was twisted. Yeah, he was put on the spot by the government, which is shit. And hmm. he was just like, oh yeah, swamp gas igniting. And all the UFO people who were like, this guy's all right. He's kind of on our side. We're like, fuck this guy. And the scientists were like, swamp gas igniting? Fucking That's dumbass. <laughs> That's not what it could have been. But he like, he went on for, he died in like the 80s, 85 or something. He died of brain cancer. But his whole life, he talked about it from that same perspective of like, you know, yeah. Who knows? And that they, I feel like they had the right idea because they, part of the blue book thing was that they came up with like a, a survey mm. that they'd do. It was like a standardized questions that they would ask, so they could get an act, a nice clean data set rather than just having going around and talking to like these flyboys who'd seen something and who were like afraid everyone's going to say they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They just came up with a nice, clean, scientific way to look at it. Mm. Um, the guy that founded it, Rapelt, mm-hmm. he also coined the term UFO. It didn't right. exist up until um, he came along. It was always flying saucer or flying discs. And he's like, nah, this is kind of... It's kind of dumb. Yeah, it's and also it's kind proper. of scaring people when people immediately think it's a, an alien. Yeah. It's a saucer. It's kind of putting that idea in their head that, yeah. oh, no, we don't have saucers on Earth. We do, but they don't fly. Mm. Uh, it is a pretty good, safe name for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's like, it is literally unidentified. an object that's flying that we can't identify. And in terms of branding, he branded the shit out of UFOs. Mm. Also, uh, fuck, I keep forgetting his name. Heinen. Heinen. Um, created the encounters of the different... Encounters of the first kind, encounters of the second kind, encounters of the third kind. Mm. He come up with that terminology. What are the levels? It was first seeing... One, two, and three. Yeah. So, so close encounters of the first kind is just a sighting. Yeah. Close encounters of the second kind is that there's some sort of evidence that something was here. Like, like a picture? A picture or a, a crop circle or a landing site or whatever. And a close encounter of the third kind is contact. Mm. Hence the Steven Spielberg movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm which he was a consultant on. Really? Yeah. I uh, haven't seen it. He's also got a little cameo in it. Really? Yeah, there's a shot of the crowd and he's standing there going, (gasps) looking at the spaceship. I haven't seen that movie since I was a a wee nipper. Mm, Same. I'd like to watch it again. Yeah, me too. Mm. It's not on Netflix. Jaws is on Netflix. Jaws is great. Yeah. So after all of this, uh, the government fucked off those guys. They got a few other people to run Project Blue Book until they shut it down in like 1968 or something. Yeah. Mm. But they just they all they were, just went back to debunking everything. Yeah, mm. didn't really take it seriously again until I guess the uh, 2000s when they appropriated a bunch of black money and started digging well, up UFOs with Tom DeLonge. That that <laughs> that we know of. Yeah, they could have been. I feel like the government and the FBI and maybe even the CIA kind of got distracted by just hippies mm. in the late 60s. And I guess probably also like smearing communist groups as terrorists. And they're like, oh, we don't need to do, we don't need to do uh, UFOs anymore. 
Well, I, in the 80s, I guess consumer electronics had reached the point where probably UFO sightings were going way down. Mm. We've discussed that before. Mm. Cocaine was up. Yeah. The stock market was up. Yeah, everyone's too busy. Synthesizers were up. Oh, yeah. Um, just the some sick saw waves just vibrated the air in a certain way. Yeah. Oh, fucking, oh, fucking dripping out. <laughs> I've got a story uh, from Robert Crumb. Yep. About the Disney UFO project. Cartoonist Robert Crumb? Yes. Right. <laughs> the degenerate cartoonist? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob Armstrong, Al Dodge and myself, I guess they're all cartoonists or jazz guys, were visiting Ward... <laughs> jazz guys. <laughs> Cartoons or beatniks? Yeah, <laughs> that's what Robert Crumb was into. Uh, they, we, they were visiting Ward Kimball, who was one of the main animators at Disney. Yeah. Uh, he told us an interesting story. Back in the 1950s, they were working on a series about rockets and outer space technology for the Disneyland TV show. I remember seeing those shows when I was a kid. There was a scientist named Wilkins who worked on the project. Wilkins started bringing around this guy called Hunrath, supposedly a colleague of his. Kimball said at first no one took much notice of the guy Hunrath. He was just unobtrusive. Later people started asking, well, just who is this Hunrath? He was kind of strange. He didn't say much. He walked kind of stiffly and he wore a suit and tie that were ill-fitting. Then Wilkins and Hunrath disappeared and people tried to remember what they could about Hunrath. Uh, Ward Kimball recalled that once at a dinner party at his house, oatmeal cookies were served for dessert. Hunrath picked up a cookie and was turning it over in his hands and studying it very closely. Then he bit off a little piece, chewed on it a while, and asked Ward's wife what the cookie was made of. The last time anyone saw Wilkins, he said he and Hunrath were going where there was no death or taxes. Then he laughed. Ward Kimball was very serious when he told her this story. He was amused, yet he thought it was strange. You know what he was? Two little aliens on each other's shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a man suit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently there was actually a guy called Wilbur Wilkinson and Carl Hunrath, right. who... Were involved and Robert Crumbs just got the wrong end of the stick. They did right. disappear mm. looking for a UFO though. They dis- they disappeared completely. <laughs> yes, they right. they got on a plane to go find a UFO in the Mojave Desert. Okay, no one ever saw them again. Sure. Uh, but also apparently that guy with the cookies. Mm. It was fair to like look at the cookie and wonder what was in it. Right. right. <laughs> you know what happened? They were flying to the Mojave Desert, saw a rotunda. Yep. And we're like, this is bong on for the rest of <laughs> eternity. No death or taxes, just bongs. Just bonging on. Occasional handjobs. Um, there was a... This is kind of a side thing, but I want to share it. There's a famous Reddit story of this guy that had a new newish girlfriend, maybe late teens, early 20s or something. Newish as in newish to life? Uh, new, newish to him. Right. Um, meeting her parents for the first time. And for some reason, he thought it would be funny to pretend that he'd never seen a potato before. Right. And then the joke just got out of hand. <laughs> and so, like, he was at the table, like, so what is this? A potato. And then, like, the dad just started getting angry and angry. And he's like, I'm in too deep. I've just got to keep going. Because, <laughs> like, it was such a dumb joke to do. And he ended up just getting kicked out of the house. Because he didn't know. He pretended not to know what a potato was. I did get one last bit of Walt Disney gear. It's not UFO related. It is CIA related. Mm-hmm. Uh Apparently, and this is a true story, when he was setting up uh, Disney World in Florida, he got a couple of like, ex-CIA guys to buy all the property. Because if he'd gone in and it was like, oh, I'm building a theme park, all of the property prices would have gone up. Mm. He got these spooks to go in mm. and like, be like, oh, I just want to buy a little bit of land. And then the other one was like, oh, I'd like to buy a little land too. And they bought up all of this land before anyone realised what was happening. Ah. And then they also, to get around regulations and things formed their own little town there and they got Disney employees in so to be voters so that they would control all of the laws. Jeez. That doesn't sound like it should ha- should be allowed to happen, does it? No. no. Hmm. But it does seem like if uh, you wanted someone to be putting the word out about UFOs, you'd be like, well, we've already got a relationship with mm. old Walt Disney. Hmm. Disney's hmm. wartime cartoons are great. Yeah, he had a lot of anti-Nazi gear, didn't mm. he? He's on board. Yeah. Unlike Guinness, who had a lot of pro-Nazi gear. Mm. Guinness the beer. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a shame. Anyway, do we have any more on Project Blue Book? Nah, I'm out of, I'm out of gear. Yeah. I'm telling bloody Reddit potato stories. That's all I got. Yeah. Nah, I just had my Heinen gear. Yeah. Uh, there is a 
television series about Project Blue Book mm. on TV at the moment. I don't know if it's on Australian TV, but it is on the History Channel. Yeah, mm. that's a Foxtel channel. Oh, yeah. Well, you might be able to catch it on Foxtel then. It's a dramatisation of the Blue Book Project. I think that there may be some sort of conspiracy going on because there's a guy, apparently there's a guy in a black hat that they keep seeing. Ooh. Fucking that guy. One, anyway, one good timing though for this episode. Definitely. One thing I would like to add, um, if you are planning on starting a stadium rock band, mm-hmm. maybe go through UFO files and see if anything jumps out. You've yeah. got your U2, you've got your Foo Fighters. Maybe yeah. you'll find your own little stadium rock band. Or maybe the CIA are behind both U2 and the Foo Fighters. Mm. Think about it. Okay. I thought about it. Now it's time for you to tell us where they can find you online, Robo. You can get me at Ale of a Time, aleofatime.com. Uh, the Ale of a Time podcast is about to come back swinging, swinging for the fences. For New Year's uh, with some good gear. Get ready. Get ready. Salty? Sure. I'm ready. Good. Where can they find you, Salt? Oh, that's what we were doing. That. <laughs> I thought you meant we were going to have some good gear. Well, obviously. Plugging all the good gear in his own stuff. Uh, you can get me at Saltmarsh on Instagram and Twitter and Andrew Saltmarsh Illustration on Facebook for artwork. And check out Toehider on Patreon and come see Toehider at the Progfest shows that are happening. I'll be at the Melbourne one on Saturday, but you probably won't hear this by then. So I saw a flyer for that. Okay. I, I was walking along in Melbourne Central with a shopping mall yep. and went, oh, there's a Progfest poster on that pillar. Yeah. Stop to have a look, to see if my friends Toehider were there. Yeah. There they were. Yep. Okay. I'm not going to go to this show, unfortunately. I've got. Yeah, that's but, fine. Yeah. Uh, you can find me Sexenheimer on Twitter and gather around me on Facebook and Instagram. Gather around me is coming back shortly. We've recorded a new episode. We can get some hot takes on the Magatines. Some hot takes on a uh, Take Five. What about the Magatines? <laughs> I didn't say Mugger, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Also, jump on our Patreon and sign up if you're not already. Because uh, it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of shit going on there that's cool. If you want to hear um, dumb takes on the Mugger Teens, mm. tune in, sign up for the Patreon because we're going to be talking about that in a second. Did this yeah. guy just say Mugger Teens? Yeah. yeah, I'm mocking you. All right, and uh, thanks to Tom, our $33 cooked unit sponsor. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Bye. 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 Don't worry about a thing. Whether or not Port Arthur was a false flag operation in which to disarm Australia I said don't worry about a thing I accept You can definitely hear John Lennon say I buried Paul at the end of Strawberry Fields forever Ooh, Don't worry about a thing Except not only did Bush do 9-11 but he also keeps the planes out in Area 51 which Let's not forget where all the aliens are. Don't worry about a thing. Except Donald Trump is clearly a woman and you're just blind if you can't see them. Why don't you open your eyes?